that's even cuter. I don't know why they don't play up the baby part of things in the. Because I think it would look weird. It's like huge adult man on a tiny baby donkey. <laughs> this just got weird. I had no idea. <laughs> I'm Anne McNamee-Keels. And I'm Stephanie Shavera. And this is Lapsed. A podcast about growing up Catholic. And today we're talking about Holy Week and Easter. We are. We're back to the liturgical calendar because that's what's happening right now. After this, it feels like there's nothing. <laughs> it's kind of, it's ordinary time, right? Isn't that what I it's know, called? It's, <laughs> yes. The books change. I think the word ordinary is actually not just mean normal. Um, I think it actually has another meaning. I just saw, I think, Father Jim Martin. Just ordinary time. I think it has to do with time. Oh, or like ordinal? Yes. Interesting. Catholicism has such interesting language and it's like no one explains it and it feels very strange and kind of cool. You know, the things like ordinary time or special dispensation or... Mm -hmm. The names of all these orders and things are like most immaculate. It just why I don't know why we talk like this, but I always like because we again didn't get the meanings of things. I always just like the sounds of it, and I always liked liturgical. It is a lovely word. Liturgical. I'm, I'm a fan of that word. Um, well, how have you been doing, Steph? Pretty good. Pregnancy's trucking along. Yeah, there you Baby's go. Baby's popping, kicking, uh, all that good stuff. I'm trying to believe. In Easter at the moment, but it just keeps being winter uh, where I live. I know, right? We had like one nice day several weeks ago and it was like, yay. And it's just been yeah. awful. Like today, it was. it's supposed to like snow. Like, this weekend is happening? Was awful. Yeah. I was looking at past Eastery pictures to prepare for today. And I was like, oh, yes, the tulips have always been up. And I mean, sometimes there'll be a snow, but it's like there's enough spring happening that there's stuff in the I know yeah. the grass has turned green a little bit already but this year it's just not I feel <laughs> like, like we bleh. all really need the feeling of hope too with COVID mm -hmm. and everything we're all like extra hungry for it last year or no maybe it was two years ago one of the COVID Easter's there's a picture of my kids it was probably the first it was probably when we first went into lockdown because I was right after it was yeah so there's a picture of my kids in their like Easter outfits Aww. that I had planned that are very when they were little my husband's from the south and my mother-in-law would give me all these either hand-me-downs or new like I don't, it kind of is like how Kate Middleton dresses her children like that <laughs> like very very beautiful ornate things which like my children cannot wear normally they would just cover it in dirt but um yeah they were in these fancy Easter outfits and they were like shorts and it was clearly warm outside and then like two days later there's a picture of them playing in the snow so that's what it's it, how it is fine yeah i have a picture of us from two easters ago eating easter dinner with my family on a zoom also eating their easter dinner that's when we were all really trying to make things feel normal mm -hmm. and we also had no idea it was like can i get covid from looking at somebody from like down the block right i must stay away we did it we legitimately didn't know we didn't know how anything worked mm -hmm. because scientists also didn't know so no it was a weird Easter two years ago, for sure. Mm -hmm. But this year... We know a little more. Things are in full swing, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for the most part. But before we get to that, let's get some Catholicism in the news. Let's do it. What have you got? I mean, there's the there's a big thing I'm assuming. Well, here, you start. Well, I mean, okay, there's a, there's a few things I wanted to touch there's on, but thing. the Pope apologized. Yeah. About residential schools, which was very big papal news. Right. When I wrote this in my document, I wrote apologized in quotation marks. <laughs> you know, on the one hand, it usually takes popes and the church a lot longer. Once things are in the news like this or brought to their attention to acknowledge it, say we did a bad thing and mm -hmm. we're very sorry. So like this is everyone keeps saying it's such a huge thing, mm -hmm. which to me, I'm. It just doesn't feel like it. Yes, it is. I grant it. But I'm like, isn't that the least of what we could do? Yeah. 
Yeah. Should it be a big deal that we say we're sorry? I'm considering, again, Holy Week, it's like all confession time. Right. <laughs> Asking for forgiveness. We should be in good practice for saying we're sorry. Saying we're sorry, but then, then doing penance. And penance. They're the action piece. Or, I mean, sometimes it's the prayer piece, but I think it should be like an actual, it can be an actual thing that you do. Right. And so I was reading a news article it was the Cree people, I believe. It was a news article from one of their nations, um, one of their lands. And just talking about, they were like, they were happy that he said something, but also a little disappointed. Yeah. There's been a lot of waiting for the, the Catholic Church has, they had pledged 30 million Canadian dollars okay. for this like landmark recompense deal. But two decades later, it still has not been paid. And now with interest, that sum is closer to $60 million. So it's supposed to go to residential survivors, but it's all been spent on, quote, lawyers, administration, private fundraising company, and unapproved loans, according to CBC News. Hmm. So, so it's like, yes, we're sorry. But also, again, two decades ago, there was some sort of deal and that still hasn't been thought through. Which is like the whole story with indigenous people in the Americas, right? Is like brutality. <laughs> And killing and awful things. And then, mm -hmm. like, promises made, whether this is in Canada or the U.S., right? Like, treaties that then were not honored on the yeah. part of white people, basically. Right. And so that feels like a continuation of those things. Yeah, I this was the main thing I was going to talk about, too. And, I mean, it sounds like it was meaningful for some people, particularly for indigenous Catholics in Canada, Yes. I mean, I think it is a big deal. I just, I'm like, oh, a little bit more. <laughs> yes. That is the question. It's like, what is the, what's the actual action? Where's the money that we're putting towards this? And I do want to hold, I think it's important for me to hold humility in this stuff. Yeah. Because it's like, yes, the Catholic church is not doing enough. Also, like, am I doing enough? No, <laughs> am I never. doing enough as a white American ever? Ever. For indigenous folks. So I think it's important for all of us, whether you're practicing Catholic yes. or not, to look inward on something like this and saying, if th th is this enough? And if it's not enough, is what I'm doing enough? Right. Or what? how can I create a practice for myself? Or how can I start? That's smart. You know, I don't know. I think it's, you, you're... Oh gosh, I was about to say hitting the nail on the head, but that feels really bad at Easter. Okay. Um, but the idea that just like don't let yourself off the hook just with a sorry, I guess, is all I'm hoping yeah. for. Like, great, this is a first step, not the final step for all of us, right? Mm -hmm. Especially I, we're just like in the news, there's all this stuff about mass graves and there's outrage about it, but we all want just to be like one apology and we're done with the other mass graves we found in history so it's mm -hmm. i think right now is an interesting time to reflect on all that it's such a weird thing because it is i think in catholicism and just in like obviously not being canadian but like in american growing up going to school in the u.s and as a white kid and particularly mm -hmm. in a catholic school i mean it's just so not acknowledged or just kind of like quick like oh yeah trail of tears and you move on right mm-hmm the enormity of the fact that our nation was literally built on a genocide, like an actual genocide. And the story we've told ourselves is that that was not bad or that was necessary. And that is what we're taught. So it's as an adult to have to go back and grapple with that and realize that you were sort of indoctrinated into this way of thinking that is just so deeply problematic and rooted in racism is like it's a it's a mind trip and it requires constant reminders to yourself of what we're actually talking about mm -hmm. for me at least right yeah and i i'm curious i don't feel like i read the whole statement so i'm not sure of the accuracy of this but it, it seemed like the apology was for canadian residential mm -hmm. schools mm -hmm. specifically which is one thing but it's like they were everywhere yeah and like, let's get ahead of this. Like, it was the Americas. Also, let's look at what happened in, I mean, are we even talking about like South and Central America? Just saying like the Spanish. Yeah. Are we talking about Africa? Like the entire continent of Africa, uh, you know, to different degrees. The Catholic Church has a lot to, a lot to own. I mean, even in Europe, I guess, if you go back far enough. <laughs> right. Well, you, so you brought up Kate Middleton earlier. Did you see their like cruise to the caribbean footage 
Yes. There were like protests, right? Yeah. Everywhere they went, everyone's like, um, uh, um, we would like you to not be here. And can you please give us our land back and apologize and give reparations for all that you stole from our countries? Thank you. And they were just, you know, on their boats and trying to do dances with all the people and say, hey, royalty's great. And it kind of, it just had a sort of mirror vibe for me for this it's just like you can't just I don't know walking around like you're royalty because you all that you are is based on things that were stolen from other people Mm -hmm. and no acknowledge I don't know just seemingly no understanding I've been thinking a lot lately something about and maybe this is my age and maybe this is also just the political landscape but like putting our current time in context as part of history Mm -hmm. and just thinking about the things I think each generation has a level of things that it will not tolerate from the previous generation mm-hmm. and a level of progress. And there are moments where you realize how far we still have to go and how we right. the progress we won't see in our lifetime. But yeah, certainly there is something going on, honestly, with people a little younger than myself, I think, oh, yeah. who are like not willing to tolerate the fairy tale version of things and just mm-hmm. pretend like the history of oppression and the current oppression doesn't exist. And that's happening mm-hmm. for some folks when they're talking about the Catholic Church and even I think for some young people in the Catholic Church. And so it's that's, I think, what we're seeing in a lot of these situations. Obviously, the the thing with the British royalty is not Catholicism, but it's no. the Catholic Church is an old institution. It's these old institutions, right? Like like the monarchy or like uh-huh. the Catholic Church in a way. It, it feels like its own monarchy. It, I mean, it kind of was for a bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's been all kinds of a historian could tell us lots about. Uh huh. And we get into Henry VIII and all those things. All the good stuff. Yeah. Uh huh. We will have uh-huh. just like a pure like history. That's that would be an interesting person to have on the podcast. Oh, like have yeah. some legitimate like we've had theologians, but just like a historian really dive deep into one particular piece of the church. I'd love it. It'd be interesting. Again, mm-hmm. like my perceptions of what things were versus like what the actual history is is always interesting. Anything else in Catholicism in the news? Not really. <laughs> I don't know. There was just one little piece I guess I was interested in. There's a priest in Vermont that's getting like hate mail because oh, he asked people to get vaccinated and oh, people right. are calling him like the spawn of Satan. And I just, I know that everyone has their opinions on, on this topic, but I just don't see how you call yourself a good Catholic and just throw around hate to such a degree. It just blows my mind. Yeah. I mean, I think the COVID stuff and Catholicism has been really interesting because the Pope came out unequivocally in support of the vaccine. Yeah. It has just been a spotlight on the sort of absurdity of this abortion pushback because what the the concern was that some of the technology involved in the vaccine, if you go back like a decade or two, I believe, involved like stem cells from like fetal tissue or fetal cells. Yeah. And so there's not wanting to to have something that will could literally save, make you less likely to die, make the old lady at church less likely to die, mm-hmm. you know, make children less likely to lose a caregiver, um, like literally save lives. But the idea of a fetus decades ago somehow being involved with something that is literally saving actual humans' lives now. It's warped. It's really bizarre and it really makes you question this idea of like what it means to be pro-life and what do you mean by Mm -hmm. life if you are not supporting a literal life-saving medical technology. Mm -hmm. It's very odd. And it's sad to me when people react this way with, I guess, I mean, the politics of everything has gotten, just changed all of people's sensibility it seems but I just I could not no matter how there's been some priests that have really ticked me off in some of their homilies like I've been actively ticked off but I would never think of like messaging that priest and saying some of the things that have been said to this priest like death threats I think and it feels like someone's like really not listening in church like yeah (laughs) just like okay where's the where is everything going so wrong for 
people? Where's the kindness? Where's the, I don't know. Yeah. Just basic human compassion. And it hurts to read about to me. I mean, I think religion has always been used to, to weaponize, um, against various people. Yes. But I think currently we're seeing how it is sort of being partnered with like the way dialogue or non or mm-hmm. a lack of dialogue is happening on the internet in particular or with things like Fox News like with media outlets and the way they the way they latch on to people's fear and then that how that and sometimes also gets partnered with religion and just like the sort of how awful that result can look. So I actually feel like this like blending of politics and religion is a perfect segue into talking about holy <laughs> the holy week. It's really true. It really is. <laughs> Looking at you, Romans. Um, <laughs> uh, since the beginning, yeah, it's been about, it's been about the state uh, yeah. and religion. And all right, great, good segue, yeah. Steph. I'm here to serve. So, <laughs> so let's talk about Holy Week and Easter, particularly how we understood it growing up as Catholic kids. Hmm. So it's this week where like my family still does, um, we do sort of Zoom family trivia. It started during COVID shutdown time and now we sort of continued so the cousins that are living far away can get together and we all take turns doing categories. Oh, that's really fun. Your family sounds so fun. We like games. Games I is, love it. If we weren't Catholic, games would be our religion. I, on the my dad's side of the family... I grew up with, yeah, with everyone. I don't, I don't think this is a Catholic thing, but uh, every, <laughs> trivial was like a oh, deeply important part of huge. things. And anytime like the big McNamee family gets together, there is still some trivia playing. Although there are certain people who are incredibly competitive. And then there are certain people who are like, I am not playing because the level of competition makes me uncomfortable. Mm. So it's just, a, it's a lot because it can be intense. It can get kind of intense. But I love that you all play virtually now that's so fun we we do and this last tuesday was very sparsely attended because we had so many aunts and uncles at confession Ah. um so it began (laughs) everyone was at confession and i heard they were all going to this one because they were getting absolved all as a group and then you just had to go in and say (gasps) what you did i just saw something about this like this week because i think because of holy week and everything i forgot but i think i have been in like a I don't know what it's called, like a communal absolution or something where they just are like, you don't actually have to go to confession. Yeah. I'm just make the sign of the cross and like, we trust you. You do it. And you are all absolved of your sin. It just boom. You don't even have to go do anything. That would have changed a lot for me. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure I was in, I had totally forgotten about it, but I read something somewhere this week about it. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's like recovered memory. Yeah. I, I forgot that was a thing. Uh-huh. Couple acts of contrition. And you're done. Easy peasy. That was like, that's the start of it. That's always when I know it's Easter. Easter's happening. Because mm, we're confessing. It's your big confession time. I remember that was the beginning of my anxiety kicking in for Easter. Is that you're going to have to go to confession? <laughs> confession. Go in the little room. Remember the prayers. Uh-huh. And I would obsessively think about, okay, what am I going to say? Am I going to leave anything out? Is leaving something out a sin? Like. It was always such a thing, but that was the beginning of our Easter season. And uh... <laughs> but eventually, there's painted eggs. So eventually, you, know. you get to the painted eggs. Yeah, well, so first you got what Palm Sunday starts the the week off really. Palm Sunday, which I was thinking about it. I think in terms of actual mass, like the uh-huh. just being in mass, Palm Sunday. Other than like my St. Pa- the St. Patrick's Day mass they did and stuff, because that had like extra music and bagpipes, etc. But outside of that particular like cultural bubble situation, I had Palm Sunday might have been the best mass of the year okay. because yes. you get a palm, you get the palm, and then you have something. I don't. I would braid the palm. There, like it, uh-huh. we would call it braiding, but it's just two pieces. You could like split. It. So mm-hmm. we had these really long palms. Is that what you also had? Yeah, like the very long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was dried and then you would split it apart and you could braid it during mass. And it was just something fun to do. And then I would usually keep it. And I think I had like a little wooden thing that had like a prayer on it that I had had forever in my bedroom. Stick it behind it? it. Yeah, I'd put it in there for Mm -hmm. like for the, I think for the full year till I got my next palm. I think I must have been taught this in a CCD class. It was like, this is our activity this week for Palm Sunday. We like learned how to turn our palms into crucifixes. 
that was next level and i didn't know how to do that and i'm really if i had seen you doing that i would have been very impressed that was my i think that's the craftiest i've ever been (laughs) because it was like one piece and you'd like fold it over and then wrap it around the middle right and you get your and it would get stuck behind our family crucifix for the year there you go do you remember what you did with the ones before Oh, the previous ones? Yeah. I think you're supposed to give them to the church to be burned into ashes for Ash Wednesday. Yeah. Is that true? You're not supposed to throw it away because they're holy. I probably did. Oh. Probably. Honestly, I probably had a lot of anxiety about it, about like, what do I do with this? I don't remember, but I was looking it up and I was like, yeah, they become the ashes for the next Ash Wednesday. Or maybe I was worried about it and my mom was probably just like, just throw it out. Like, stop. <laughs> stop right? freaking out. But, but I can't just throw it away. <laughs> Yeah. So I feel like Palm Sunday was fun because there was that it's like back to my great aunt Evelyn, great great aunt Evelyn's theory that people like to go to church when you get free stuff. You get free palms. So it's like free palms and something to fidget with in church, which is that was one of the big ones where you get sprinkled. They go down up and down. (gasps) Yeah. Right. Like fling the water at you. Yeah. It's like a little (laughs) metal globy thing with holes in it and a Uh handle. I don't even know how to. I don't yeah, know what the word then, is. Probably some very specific. I, oh, there is. I think I had to take a test on it. All these things. Of course. You and did. then they, yeah, they fling water at you and you get like sprinkled with water. And that felt kind of fun for some reason. Can you be like, oh, I felt it. I got it. I know. I'd feel so disappointed if we were too far away from the aisle and we didn't get any water. Right, you're like, like, oh, less. come on. Got to come <laughs> over to this side. Get over here. I mean, I will say so when we joined the Methodist church. I had thought Palm Sunday was great. I actually felt very ripped off because our church Why? does a live pony or donkey <gasps> that comes down the aisle at church while we wave our palms. In the church? In the church. That's pretty cool. So we haven't been to live church in since the beginning of the pandemic, but I think we might go this- Go for the donkey. Yeah, we're going for the, it's going to be a pony this time. It was a donkey <gasps> one year and they tried donkey rides, but the donkey very clearly wasn't into it. Donkeys don't do that. It was like, what are, is it a is little this? horse or like a full horse? I, it's like a pony, like a little. Oh. And so I think what they're doing this time, and I don't even know if they're bringing the pony in this time. I believe it's like the kids get to walk in and my kids don't remember what the inside of church looks like at all. But I think <laughs> they get to walk in at the beginning if they want in like a procession. And then I believe. This is this is how chill Protestants are, or at least some Protestants are. During church, they're gonna have the pony rides, I think. So I think like outside, That's my kids wild. are just gonna peace out with my husband and go do pony rides while I sit in church. That sounds like actually a great time. I get to sit with my palm. Yeah. So we're, we might try eating your palm. Exactly. So once I learned that that was a thing, I was like, hold up. Other places had live animals. That's crazy. I don't know how many places do that, but... I've never heard of it. If any of our listeners had live animals involved at Palm Sunday or any time at church, really, please let us know. I guess St. I mean, Saint Francis, obviously, the blessing of the animals is the only time I'd ever heard oh, of Oh, right. When you like to bring your dog to Live animals. Yeah. But, which we never had a dog and we only had goldfish. And that but I think really we still cool had to bring dog. them to the parking lot. I don't believe it was. Right. It wasn't church. like. And, well, that, you there's don't too want, much like, danger of poop. Poop. Yeah, dogs pooping in church. sounds like Ooh. a lot of mess. No, I know like that image of Jesus on the donkey with the palms, I think is one of the most memorable of all like Catholic or Christian images to me. Like there's yes. the crucifix. Sure. But the other thing is like that man on that donkey. Like, yeah. And there was. For sure, if they were going to put a color, a full page color picture in one of the workbooks, because what kids love animals, you got Jesus riding. It's just like Mary. It's just like we talked about at Christmas. Mary back on the, it's all the donkeys again. There is no donkey in the part of, in the Bible about Mary. They just say they went, you know, to Bethlehem. I wonder if there's a donkey for Jesus. I feel like there is. I think he rode on something. I don't think he was just walking. Because wow. he was coming back from his, like, he was all weak, right? Was oh. Was he coming back? Was he? Where was he coming? He was coming back from something. I mean, if there's one thing this podcast has taught me is how little I know about the Bible. Okay, In I my childhood that. brain, I conflated the 40 days in the desert with this. I think you might be right. In my childhood brain. Then he's, like, coming back in. Okay. Hang on. I'm. Hang on. I know as soon as this comes out, I'm my husband will listen to it and be it. like, Ugh, you're wrong. It's obviously this. He does this every time. Yeah. John 14. Jesus I found a it? young donkey and sat on it. <laughs> and sat on it. 
Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming seated on a donkey's colt. It was a baby donkey. It was a baby baseball game. I'm writing that the scripture number on a thing and holding it up. (laughs) Jesus found a donkey and sat on it. I love it. He was on. He must have been a very slight man if he was sitting on a baby donkey. I'm telling you, I think he was fasting. (laughs) He didn't need much. He was so light. Uh, Why would you ride a baby donkey? Maybe because, as we learned, as I learned at church, grown-up donkeys don't like to give rides. So there you go. Maybe the babies are. Maybe he tried a a big donkey first, and they were like, "Get off." It says specifically he found a baby a donkey. Baby. That's even cuter. I don't know why they don't play up the baby part of things in the. Because I think it would look weird. It's like huge adult man on a tiny baby donkey. This just got weird. I had no idea. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I thought but everyone's about- so happy to see him and yes. everything's happy. It's like a, it's the part. I mean, it, it makes for a wonderful dramatic structure for sure. Oh, the storytelling aspect is yes, fantastic. Like, we're all so happy. And this is that. It's the sort of like, it's the everything is perfect until. But he already knew. He already knew. Right. He but knew everyone... it was going to come down. He had, what, five days till the Last Supper after that. Yeah. Is that how it? I don't know. They actually. Last Supper is supposedly yeah. Thursday night. Supposedly Thursday. Yeah. So then we get into. So we have lovely Palm Sunday, but it's like a fake happy day because then we plunge right into the darkness. That's when the church gets dark. It does. And very like quiet. And so, which I will say, like, <laughs> I guess my performance studies major part of me, like, really appreciates the theatricality of like kind of stripping away the. You oh, know, yeah. A lot everything of the, goes away. Yeah, it just becomes very stark, and the music gets quieter. You don't sing the hallelujah, right? Don't or no, that's mm-hmm. like just during Good Friday, or I don't remember. You don't I remember? Like the- sometimes they like there's like black draped over things. Yeah, some people I mean, don't even do communion. I think. Oh, I don't know about that part. Just maybe I, think, I believe you. Yeah, they're like covering it up. So then, yeah, things get rough, and this is where we have like, yeah, I guess we the Last Supper, and then we have Stations of the Cross. Which we've alluded to many, many times. We have, but st- I guess this is our this is our time. This is when we really, if we have things to say about the Stations of the Cross. So it's Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy wait for it Saturday. <laughs> I think it's Holy Saturday again. There's a different word that other places used for Thursday. Uh, Maundy Thursday. Mon- I saw that. I've never heard of that in we real life. We definitely never used that. I think some denominations do use that. But is that we like sure a Latin? Didn't. What is that? Mm. Probably. I actually, I think it might be. And so I bet it pre-Vatican II people used it. Fair enough. Uh, A a ceremony of washing the feet of the poor on Monday, Thursday. Oh, so yeah. So there's like, oh, right. There's the foot washing. Sometimes Mm -hmm. there's foot washing involved in things. Did you ever do that? I've never done that. No, but I like that. I do appreciate the the imagery Uh of that. Right. Again, it's a humility piece, which we... Mm -hmm. Many of us could use more humility. So um, I'm into it. The idea of like washing his disciples' feet. Were you required? Like, did you go to all of the masses on Holy Week as a kid? Uh, I did whatever we were doing at school. Oh, okay. So, yeah. my You got out free as far as I was concerned. I think because your family went to stuff, right? Yeah. My dad definitely went. I remember going as a kid and then less as a teenager because i think i was already out um and we also had you know there was like so many after school activities it was hard to make holy really sacrilegious but you can't do everything all the time but i remember as a kid going with my dad yeah stations of the cross particularly when i was a kid i think we did it with school i mean our church did your church have stations of the cross like around they're up all year yeah they're up yeah and so you see these images of like this particular different steps in the crucifixion and you Mm -hmm. they're around all year and then the actual stations of the cross so the way we did it it's like theatrical like you're involved you have a part that you read do you guys do that i kind of remember that i know i heard my like some family members they like they have the kids like act out part of it i've heard of such things and i'm trying to think if i've ever been in a situation where we actually did that like do you remember what you had to say so Here's what I remember is they would go around and do the different stations of the cross and the priest and maybe some other people, I think the altar servers, maybe some other people would walk around to each actual station. I'm looking up the actual stations. 
Okay, here we go. First station is Jesus. There's Jesus is condemned to death. Jesus carries the cross. Jesus falls for the first time. I remember the falling. Yeah. Jesus meets his mother. That one's like super heartbreaking. Uh Simon helps Jesus carry his cross. Veronica wipes the face of Jesus. That one was always like, I don't know, very compelling. That's the, sorry, you know how I emailed you that crossword about last Sunday's crossword? It was the the cloth of Turin. Oh, the cloth of Turin. With his face in it. Okay. Sorry. Just wanted to remind you to do that. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> yeah. So, oh no, we need to explain this to our listeners. Steph sent me a crossword puzzle and a New York Times Sunday crossword puzzle with a commentary about how Catholicism just haunts you everywhere you go, including the New York Times crossword puzzle. It was in the shape of a crucifix. There were two clues crossing oh, each other. You're right. I didn't even catch that part. And, but yeah, it was a, we couldn't get, it was like this particular pope said that this thing was the holiest something and we yeah. didn't know what it was neither of us pope Pius. did you just figure it out eventually or did you have to look it up i figured the one across was like the description was jesus like and i was like okay so it's something to do with jesus and then i found the word turin and i was like oh yeah 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 uh, but yeah his face is imprinted in this cloth. Imprinted. That's- that was always like a really intense image as a kid uh yeah Jesus falls the second time. Jesus meets the women of Jerusalem. Jesus falls a third time. Jesus is stripped of his garments. Jesus is nailed to the cross. Jesus dies Ugh. on the cross. His body's removed from the cross and he's laid Wait, in the tomb. Where's the thorns? Uh, yeah, they don't. Do they come it earlier? doesn't stay here. But I'm trying to remember. Is that what... part of one of the fallings? There's like the flogging, Ugh. the the beating, and the thorns. Man, it is a brutal story. It's rough. And we were just supposed to. <laughs> There was no point at which it was like, oh, this child's too young to hear this. Like, oh, no, you- I would not be comfortable with my kids sitting through something like that. Even my seven-year-old. Like, that is... It was... It haunted me. I wouldn't let him watch a movie that involves something like that or read a story that involves something like that. I remember the first time we got a book about... I forget if it was about Easter or just a Jesus book. I don't know. That someone had gifted us. Because even though we go to church, we were like... My son had no idea of anything about church. And he saw the picture of the cross and he was like, what is that? And I was like, oh, sometimes like sometimes the state murders people. Like, how do I have this conversation with a three year old? It just That's and I had it. I had so normalized it. And it wasn't until I had my own child who asked me what that is that I was like, oh, wow, this is a really hard conversation. I feel like it sort of set me up for a lifetime of never feeling good enough. <laughs> like, I don't know how to put this, but you're like he went through so much for you and I mean, how can you ever measure up to that kind of sacrifice? Yeah, absolutely. So it's like Jesus died for your sins. And so, yeah, no matter what you do, it's never enough. Not just died for your sins, like boom, blood everywhere. (laughs) But then the thing I had never considered is like all these saints also died in horrible ways and like just as bad as Jesus in many cases. As a patron, uh, as descendant of St. Stephen. The first saint who Paul was cool with just coughing. Right. Just uh, getting pelted with rocks to death. I thought about that a lot as a kid. I think I said, okay, so if you really believe in something, you got to be willing to really lay down for it. Yes. (laughs) I think the one good thing I would say that it taught me, because I was reflecting on this, it did teach me not to sort of look away when I got uncomfortable with other people's pain. Mm. I was like, that's the big good takeaway i will i will say like even as a young person they're like you have to sit in this and how no matter how uncomfortable it makes you you're not like allowed to look away there's a lot of other bad stuff that comes with that in terms of my anxiety and nightmares but like i remember sort of thinking about this one time we were visiting dc and there was somebody on the street asking for money and they were in really bad shape and i remember having this like inner dialogue with myself thinking I want to like definitely close my eyes and not deal with it like this is hard to look at and then thinking about okay but this is I don't know there's something about that lesson and there's like okay I gotta like this makes me uncomfortable for a reason and I'm not allowed to just look away because it makes me uncomfortable yeah I think that is actually a really valuable part I think there are valuable parts of Catholicism and Christianity and like you getting that out of it, I think is totally important and valuable. I also it's- got night terrors though. Well, less great. <laughs> so I will say I'm actually not great. So I don't know. Like I took, I took stuff very seriously growing up Catholic. Like I took all the theology very seriously and all the lessons, yeah. but I like, this is actually something I have mentioned recently. I'm really not great at being with people when they're in their most vulnerable. 
I get super uncomfortable. Like I just think about like my family members or friends who are nurses, mm. the level of vulnerability that you're dealing with people. And, you know, like they don't, Hard. I've only really been hospitalized, like having my kids. And then recently I had foot surgery and I wasn't in that bad of shape. <laughs> like I wasn't very <laughs> sick. Right. But I still was like, just so vulnerable. I mean, you're just wearing a hospital gown. I like, particularly yeah. after you have a baby, you just feel like what even just happened to me and you're like hormones are all over the place. And like, there are people who are so skilled at being with someone in those moments, mm-hmm. you know, when I don't like, I don't have myself together like this. I normally would not be in front of human beings like that. And certainly like Just, in having, being in labor, that's, I wouldn't be in, I was in front of strangers. <laughs> I wouldn't so be in weird. front of people I knew. So I feel like, yeah, like, a, like nurses being an example of someone who's very comfortable with being, yeah, like you said, in the presence of real pain or vulnerability. And I'm actually like, I would be a horrible nurse because I'm very, I get so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So it's I, I admire that you took that from that kind of teaching because I think that is really valuable. As I was reflecting, like that's where that comes from. That's even when I want to, it's uh, this like check on myself. Yeah. But those stories are are really, really hard. Yeah, and like you're saying, like you just go to CCD, you go or Catholic school and you're just the crown of thorns and if you have if you're a person like the two of us are with a vivid imagination yeah and sometimes we had some teachers that really went into it with us that were like the flesh torn from his back <sighs> and i remember one teacher talking about how long it takes somebody to die on a cross oh my god like and just like the pain of it it was very gra- i don't this bizarre this teacher this- was rough <laughs> Yeah. I think early, early on, honestly, I think I kind of, I think what our brains do when we're tiny is we like filter that stuff out to Mm. protect ourselves. So I think early, early on, like going to mass as a baby and a toddler and a preschooler, Mm -hmm. I was literally looking at like bloody Jesus on the crucifix multiple times a week going to church, you know, like Sundays and then that's just there. Right. So I was pretty desensitized to it I think and it felt very long ago and not real and Mm -hmm. I do remember at a certain point getting to a like saying to my mom like getting a little older probably like seven or eight be saying like that was really not fair how they were treating him Mm -mm. really seeing what I think is the ugliest that still I think is one of the hardest things to stomach is like people in power really abusing someone who in the moment Mm -hmm. either either in life or in that moment has little to no power that's kind of the ugliest thing i think that humans can do inflict like physical and emotional pain on someone with less power than them yeah and that is what that story is about i remember like we would have a little booklet that we would read through mm-hmm. and we were sort of the people like our role it wasn't like this is a play but it sort of wasn't in, in like yeah. assumed and our role was like we were the people watching this and so i do remember having to say crucify him and other things i don't remember that and it was our job to say like crucify him and and some of them it was very awkward because some of them were like just something like that that we could all say in unison but some of them were like several sentences and you're trying to all say it together and like you know when you're like awkwardly trying to read as we learned from teaching children doing choral reading that does not go well it never goes well especially when you haven't rehearsed it's just all a run through and then that was actually the final performance and you'll do it again next year <laughs> but Recently, as an adult trying to figure out my spiritual leanings and beliefs, Uh the thing I actually think I now as an adult think is valuable about that is recognizing our own uh, complicity and oppression. Mm. So that to me, like thinking about that, like the power of that, of, of us saying like crucify him and recognizing that we are complicit when we hold power, we are complicit in oppression that is happening right like that i'm complicit as a white person in whether i'm saying it out loud or i'm being quiet if you didn't step in and try to like throw yourself in front of yeah the romans other everything else is complicity right silence is complicity yeah and going along to get along is complicity yeah and not recognizing the injustice when it's happening is complicity not just when it comes to racial stuff but any place i hold power right like as a Mm -hmm. cis woman and as a straight person and a person with you know upper middle class person etc so that feels super powerful but I don't I I don't feel like that was it was taught it was not I will tell you it's not my feeling it was absolutely not taught that way I think if anything we were supposed to get that like that it's our sins that he like we're we're sinners and that's why Mm -hmm. if I don't go to mass on Sunday or if I don't obey my parents that's 
I'm saying crucify him. I'm, mm. I'm, you know. Yeah, that makes, that feels more like what was taught. <laughs> what was taught. That was the message. I like your version though. I mean, I think, you know, progressive clergy would tell you that is the message that was, that we're supposed to be getting. Mm-hmm. And from the whole story of Jesus's crucifixion, that's what we are supposed to be getting out of it. Right. Is our complicity in that, or, or what is my role in and where where do we see this kind of oppression happening today and who is in mm-hmm. power and who is being oppressed and um yeah but certainly not how it was taught to me at no. least at least not in i don't know we had um i'm trying to think of how it might have been taught like once i got to high school because we did have a whole year that was supposed to be like a catholic social teaching year but my theology teacher that year was not good oh good at all and was i think pretty conservative herself and also i don't even know if she had a theology background she had been my sub i she was my long-term sub in fourth grade when one of our teachers had a baby so i was she showed up to teach us catholic social teaching and i was like do you actually know what you're talking about nope um but some of our some of the teachers in that department i know did care a lot about that stuff and so i do wonder if they made those connections for for Mm. students but mine sure didn't. Didn't happen. No. Sorry, that was a lot of a lot of talking. No. And then I was going to say, then all of a sudden you've got Easter. Yeah. <laughs> it's a weird arc. You go from like Palm Sunday, this is pretty fun. I get a palm to like. Darkness. Just the scariest horror story you could imagine to like, just kidding. The death wasn't real. He's back. <laughs> He's back. And all of a sudden. Right. Palm Sunday makes sense, right? You have, he was like, people like waved their palms at him. And so you got a palm. So we're waving our palms. And even at Christmas, you're like, okay, it's his birthday. Presents happen. Presents make sense. Okay. I can figure this out. Chocolate. (laughs) Eggs, bunnies. He came back from the dead. Here's a basket. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's a lot about living living things yes there's some flowers that come back after winter lots of flowers really it's one of the prettiest days like there's usually lots of flowers in the church beautiful people yeah there's flowers all over the altar and it's been so it's been so dark and drab and then you have oh Mm -hmm. like set design wise it can be really beautiful in terms of i always wondered how everyone gets that done so fast it's a lot of work because like the day before nothing it's a lot of elderly people i think volunteering yeah i remember i was in the i think it was like when i was getting confirmed we had to do service service Mm -hmm. and one of the i i remember this other girl and i not for easter for christmas i think we helped like get the church ready for christmas and i realized and her grandma was involved and there were all these elderly people and i was i remember this moment of like oh all this stuff that that i never thought about who does it like right. it's not the priest up there like putting things on. It's not like a, snap your fingers sweet. and there's Easter. Elderly people. And it's good I they know. have something to do, but it's also like we're not paying these people. They're just literally giving their time to like put up lights and flowers and things. Working real hard to make yeah. it pretty. I know. And so did you get an Easter dress? Yes. Oh yeah. Every year. It's another pageantry day. I'm getting like flashbacks of my Easter dresses, honestly, because all these like puffy sleeves that are in mm-hmm. right now and re- it's all in like some even some collars. There's we're hearkening back to those days of the like 80s <laughs> kinds of styles. Yes. Jessica McClintock, I remember uh, getting a one of her dresses for Easter and feeling very like I arrived. I mean, I grew up, we like shopped at Sears or whatever, but um, my neighbor gave me a Jessica McClintock hand-me-down and my mom was like, oh, Jessica McClintock. And I was like, am I supposed to know what that is? Big deal in department store wear. I, like, I actually thought the dress was kind of ugly and didn't suit me, but like, I, it was clear I was going to wear it because Duh. it was a very fancy dress. Did you get hats? It was the one day like I, that you, I felt most... The people wore hats. I was like, we got hats. All the women wearing hats. So I don't think I wore a hat. And here's part of the reason is. Curly hair. Confession. I have a giant head. I have a giant (laughs) head. My mom's family. We all have giant heads. My children have giant heads. My son had his first t-ball practice the other day. And we put an adult baseball hat on him. He's seven years old. And it didn't not fit. So I, it was like the 
bane of my mother's existence whenever I had to wear a hat. If I I was in, I danced, uh, mm-hmm. I, I did dance classes. And if the costume involved a hat, it was like, this, they would cut the back of the hat out and pin it on my head, like some kind oh, of Anne. headpiece. I have an enormous head. It's genetic. And so I didn't wear hats because they didn't make little girls hats in my size. It looks, I, feel like, I mean, you're looking at me now. You wouldn't like, know. You, I feel like you've matched your head now. You know what? Curly hair. It just kind of covers everything up. You can't it's even true. tell. So no it's Easter true. hats. I was a little sad about it. But bows. But it, bows. These barrettes that had like a giant bow that usually someone had. So moms would make giant bows and sell them at the like parish craft oh. sale. And so you could get one that was like matched your uniform. That was a hot ticket item is the uniform matching bow. And then you would get like a Christmas one. Some of them were plastic and had like little toys inside. So it, was, it wasn't even. <laughs> and then there were like, there were seasonal ones. So I, I think I would have an enormous bow that a, a local Catholic mom I think I need had to see made. a picture of this. I need to find me a picture of you with a giant bow and your giant So we head. are recording this just before Palm Sunday. Maybe by Easter we can find some okay. Easter photos, some vintage Easter photos of both of us. I mean, yeah, it was a time we got a new dress usually, or even sometimes it was a hand-me-down, but like it was new to us and it was yeah, a very dress-up affair. I think one year I may have gotten gloves. It feels like a memory. I definitely had gloves for communion and I feel like maybe there were gloves for an Easter somewhere. Somewhere, yeah. I don't remember any like specific songs off the top of my head, but it feels like they got better for Easter. It's a lot of hallelujah because mm-hmm. he's he's risen so we're all saying but the problem is like that was the longest mass it's very long really long it's so long and you're in like an itchy dress and you don't have a palm to play with and and it's like there's no like the kids can go over here for this one you have to stay there i remember because sometimes you were allowed to like go do a thing oh see our church teacher. never had a thing the kids always had to stay in church with. That was you had to stay, and then there's sometimes. Did you have communal back to uh, community baptisms? I don't remember baptisms. They often happen on Easter. I don't know if I just lived in a place where people either were Catholic or they weren't. Mm, <laughs> either you fair. were born into the faith or you weren't Catholic. That's it. I didn't know anyone who had become Catholic after being a baby. So I remember the first time, like at an Easter, I saw an adult getting baptized, and I didn't know that was a thing. I was like, "What are they doing?" <laughs> That's for babies. The thing about Catholic Church is that if there's a holiday or something or a special event, the mass is longer, not shorter, because you have to do mass. You have to do the minimum of all the mass. The regular mass. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same as like a Catholic wedding. Like remember the first time my husband went to a Catholic, actually, like first time he met my family, I think, was at a Catholic wedding, like my friend's wedding. And he, I was in the wedding, so he had to sit separately from me in the church I'd grown up in. And, um... He was like, came at the end. It was like, that was so long. And I was like, yeah, it's like the full hour mass plus all the wedding stuff. And that's how uh-huh. holidays work. Like the full normal stuff, which takes about an hour. Plus. Plus all the extra stuff. So you're there for like an hour and a half, hour 45 mm-hmm. in a scratchy dress, tights. And you know that there's going to be like the church lawn Easter egg hunt afterwards. So you're just like, can we get to I that didn't, We didn't have that. Oh, Your, you didn't? Your church was way cooler. We had the one at home when we woke up. Yeah. Easter eggs at home. And then we got ready for church. But I remember, because my hair was actually straight as a kid. Oh. And so on Easter, it it meant sleeping in foam rollers was part of Easter. I (laughs) had to sleep in foam rollers every night for like two years of my life because I don't know, my mom was in denial that my hair was getting straight. And uh, I lived in foam rollers. Oh I think it's more of an 80s thing than a Catholic thing. But yeah, the pink foam rollers pink with, foam the, with, the, yeah. with the like, I, I had like a net to go over it so they wouldn't fall out. I feel like I didn't do the net part. But yeah, we had to wake up. And so we'd clock clinking around Easter morning with the foam rollers <laughs> on your head. Like Medusa. It was a glamorous time, the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And then you got ready. And then you had long church. And then there was always like the Easter egg hunt on the lawn, which was like separated by ages. That's smart, the smart way to do it. Otherwise, I would have clocked a baby probably. <laughs> well, it's not yeah. fair. Like bigger kids can find them faster. So. Right. And then you have big food day. 
It's like mini Thanksgiving. We had all of those things except for the Easter egg hunt. And I think not that we had an Easter egg hunt during school, but like I think so many kids went to the Catholic school. Like most of the kids uh-huh, at church yeah. went to the school. So we had been doing we like did Easter things probably. Although I don't know how now I want now I'm curious. I want to look at the curriculum. Like, do you do Eastery things? But it's like uh, it's Holy Thursday. Oh, so maybe you don't do cur- your last things. day would be Friday. Maybe you do it after Easter. after they probably do. Um. Yeah, but then it's such a long morning because, like, yeah, you got your Easter bunny and the Easter egg hunt and a really long – you got to get dressed and then super long church. And then you have a whole, like, dinner situation or early lunch or whatever. I mean, early dinner or whatever. We always had ham. Did you have ham? Yes, ham. and Easter ham. My grandma usually hosted Easter in her very Chicago basement. It was a, it was how, how we roll in Chicago. You have holidays in, in the, the basement, basement with like a big folding, like several folding tables with yes paper. I think it was probably just a paper um, tablecloth. My grandma had beautiful, like good china. I own it now. I have it, Aww. but um, no, you don't get to actually. We use didn't it. use that. No, and she had a full wet bar down there, so it was oh, like oh, very nice. There is a great picture of me in my full East. I think Easter dress, like hanging out at the bar, <laughs> just as you do when you're five years old. Right. For us, that was a holiday that was very Polish. So there were like, mm. there was a ham and there was the hard boiled eggs and deviled eggs and things, but there were, there Always. was pierogi. And yes, I yep. pronounced these things like a Chicagoan with a Polish accent because this is how it was pronounced. For That's who you me. are. There was pierogi and also guwumki, which I don't know if you've had that. No. So I'm a vegetarian, so I don't eat this. And I didn't like meat as a kid, except almost except for guwumki. It's crazy that I ate this as a child because it doesn't sound like something a kid would like. It is meat. I think it's beef. Someone can tell me I'm wrong. Wrapped in cabbage and with like a tomato sauce on it, I think. Oh, stuffed cabbage. Yeah, it's very good. I love it. Stuffed cabbage is great. I never knew that was the word. There were kolachkis, like kolachkis. Kolachkis, yes. My grandma would always make extra apricot because my uncle liked apricot. And then everyone was like, he's your favorite. And then she was like, didn't totally deny it, honestly. Yes. First of all, my grandma seemed to favor boys in the family. Like almost, she would kind of deny it, but it seemed to be happening. There were fewer of them. Uh. But when my husband... When we were married, or maybe when we first got engaged, my husband was like, I think liked a certain, it might have been the apricot. And my grandma was like, oh, Andy likes the apricot. Next time I'll make extra apricot. And we were like, mm. you're in. <laughs> if you're getting nice. special extra of your preferred kolachki, that meant that you were a favorite person on Easter. So That's good. Yeah. What did you guys eat other than ham? I mean... Now, granted, like the largeness of when we were able to be here in Pennsylvania with my like large family, it's always about what can you have the most of. So just like ham, mashed potatoes, green beans, like the standards. Sure. Sometimes I very I remember this. My mom would make a bunny cake. Oh, shaped like a bunny. So I always associate like shredded coconut with Easter because that was the bunny for her. Yeah. The black jelly beans for eyes, but no one would ever eat them because no one liked the flavor of black jelly beans. But they work great aesthetically. They're beautiful. That was always a thing. There was like the last thing that would be on the the on the plate was the black jelly beans. That's funny. I was gonna ask you if anything was shaped like anything. Because we had not a bunny, but a cake, like a pound cake and the butter. Do you know what they were shaped like? Uh no. A lamb. Oh, that makes a cake shaped like a lamb. And that we had butter shaped like a lamb. And actually, I kind of wanted the lamb mold when my grandma died, but my mom oh. had already claimed it. And she was like, we could share it. And I was like, what would the logistics of that involve? That sounds complicated. Every other weekend, the <laughs> lamb goes to a different house. No one wants, like, what, you get it on Easter and I get it the rest of the year where no one is making a lamb. Cake. You only want it on Easter. Come on. There was some point where I was celebrating Easter on my own as an adult, and I did. I think find a lamb mold and make a lamb cake for friends Aww. because that was like the Easter thing. The butter, I think they just sell it like that. Oh, there you go. I make Easter bread now, the braided loop. Oh, so my grandma made a particular kind of bread. She made one type of bread and it was like a big deal at every every family gathering, but I feel like Easter in particular. It's like a it was a yeah, like a braided like egg bread. It's challah, but don't tell the Catholics. <laughs> it's not it's not really challah. <laughs> 
But it has to be in a ring. Oh. The ring, and you got to put the egg in the middle, and there's sprinkles in it. Ooh. Are you making that this year? Oh, yeah. That sounds wonderful. And I think it's kind of crown of thorns. I made a lot of them last year. It's like an edible crown of thorns. I think so. Maybe well, eternity with the ring. Like I a, there's a like lot a of wreath, kind of a wreath, I mean, yes, or like yes. a, you know. And you put an egg in the middle. Oh, like a dyed hard-boiled egg in the middle for decoration. Cool. You, know, you eat it. <laughs> you just do it. Just put it there. Yeah. And then, like, I don't. We didn't do anything with it because they're usually actually Christmas decorations. But like Slovaks, and I know in Ukraine it's the thing, like the eggs, the painting of eggs. So we would have those out. Yeah, Polish too. Yeah. We would have the Polish painted eggs. My grandma gave me some wooden ones. Mm-hmm. I remember like the moment I kind of learned the paganness of what we did. <laughs> it's so pay. So Easter is super pagan. It's the most. It's even the word Easter is from like Ostra, like the, a goddess. Uh-huh. Or something. I'm probably saying it wrong, but it's like. Fertility goddess. Yeah. And- so like, it's like we're barely pretending this is about Jesus. And I think I would just respect everybody a lot more if we said that. If we were just honest about the whole thing. If the priest was like, Jesus rose from the dead and we're just going to go with that and we're not going to talk about zombies. And the one person who was curious about that, we're just going to call him Doubting Thomas and be done with him. Like. <laughs> Just, so everyone's good he's back the tomb the rock it rolled away great everyone's great and also we're also just going to talk about how we uh co-opted a lot of cultures when we tried to like get them to be christians and we're going to talk about rabbits and eggs and <sighs> just know that that has nothing to do with what we're talking about but we've got nothing else we have no other way of celebrating this so have at it <laughs> You know, you just grow up with stuff and you just normalize it. I mean, I think many cultures do that. It's just like, this is how we celebrate this. Do you ever read David Sedaris? Yes. He has a, I think it's a Meath Talk Pretty one day. Yes. The one where like you find out in France, the they bell. have a bell that goes around. <laughs> he's like a bell, like a bell. And then the right. So he's like, how does a bell go around to people's houses instead of a bunny? And they're like, how does a bunny go to people's houses? And he's like, at and least why are the like eggs with the bunny? Bunny. <laughs> Bunnies don't lay eggs. No, but man, it was all over like commercial stuff. It was like the, the Cadbury bunny. Oh yeah. Oh, here's a question for you. The Easter bunny. Yes. How big is the Easter bunny? Okay. So in town here, there is a local chocolate store called Daffins. If anyone local is listening to this, they know this. Okay. And Daffins has, they're the big Easter game in town. And my uncle used to be the Easter Bunny. <gasps> well, that sounds like a fun gig. So the Easter Bunny is Harvey sized, for those of you who know the movie Harvey. It is a six foot tall <laughs> rabbit. Or a little like Donnie Darko, like creepy oh, yeah. bunny. I mean, the amount of times I've seen children screaming because of this rabbit walking towards them. The rabbit is huge. So I used to go see, just like you would see Santa, you could go see the Easter Bunny at the mall. And there's yes. pics, there's sit a, in the lap of this. There's a series of pictures of me super excited as I'm like in my dress, Easter dresses. I'm like getting closer to the bunny and then just like freaking out when we actually saw the bunny because the bunny's terrifying. My husband, I mean, he he grew up Protestant and in the South. I don't know if they do things different there, but he and his brothers would always try to a, they they always plotted to trap the Easter Bunny, which is crazy and I think says some things about how we were different as children. But <laughs> B, they thought the bunny was like bunny sized. Like a That's bunny. Wrong. It is wrong. I was like, no, it's a it's a human sized bunny. How like- could a little bunny get around? That's not real. <laughs> I love I love trying to get to logic about these things. Just trying to like, well, hold up. A a human sized I- bunny I'll buy, but a tiny bunny? That makes no sense. It ha- I mean, right. Yeah, you're right. Cadbury bunny was small. Yeah, was a normal bunny. Was a normal bunny. But, and I never liked those things. There was too much. I would take one the bite. Cadbury? It's too sweet. It's too sweet. I went through a phase where I was into them. My mom would not buy them for me. My dad, however, if we were at the drugstore around Easter, was like, yeah, go for it. As many, yeah, like, Cadbury, I, egg, do I it. I never was into Cadbury. Yeah, it was too sweet, even for me as a child. I was like, this, really sweet. I can't. Um, but it, yeah, because of all the iterations, although I don't, there's not really like Easter movies. There are some like very Jesus centric Easter movies, but right. like there's no like. No, Easter's a little, Easter you know. Easter bunnies come into town. 
as I've grown up, I think now, like my friends who are not are just not Christian, but maybe grew up Christian, like they, it's sort of a mixed bag who celebrates Easter with their kids. I think some people do it like for fun. Sure. And then some people like it's not a thing in their lives. I don't like different than Christmas. Like at Christmas, I feel like it's secularly celebrated by a lot of people. Right. And Easter is secularly celebrated by some people, but not as much as Christmas is my sense. I feel like I'll still, I don't know. I think I'll do a little Easter something. Easter? Oh yeah. We're, we definitely do Easter with the kids. It's, I don't know. They also like, they kind of need. Because it is a little, you need something. You need something this time of year and they need new, you know, they're going to need new sidewalk chalk and. <laughs> right. You got to fill those baskets. A couple little exciting things for outside and the Easter bunny uh, will, will provide those things. So that's important and the egg hunt the easter bunny sometimes fills the eggs with candy at our house and sometimes with coins so you just gotta wait and see what it is there were always like i would say let's go with five maybe maybe six maybe there were two for each of us eggs that had like cash in them Mm -hmm. and it was just like I'm it was maybe two dollars right I was like I'm the richest person I got all the money this is the egg like suck it you got (laughs) M&M's got money the last time I think I participated in Easter egg hunt as a child I was in high school and my brother must have been in middle school and we went to visit my like my great-grandmother's sibling my grand my great-grandmother had passed away my mom my brother and my grandmother and I went to visit my grandmother's aunt because she was my great grandmother was the oldest in her family. And she had younger siblings. Anyway, yeah. who at this time was very old, but had lived a pretty fancy life and had a place in Palm Springs where she wore her beautiful pantsuits and hung out in yes. Palm Springs. So we went. So we went to stay there because that sounds, you know, let's get in on that. And my brother and I got there. We are like we're teenagers at this point, like it's probably twelve and fifteen, something like that. And um, we walk in, and my great aunt is like, "It's Easter time." Very catholic polish ladies like uh kids there's an easter egg hunt for you and so we're trying to be polite like oh great, oh, great. thanks Aunt alice it's great she had put ten dollars in each egg what she was just i think she was at this point in her life she was widowed she had some she'd done okay for her she and her husband had some money to burn and she like got a kick out of us just finding eggs so we each i think she hid like 20 eggs it was the best Easter. I mean, it was, so it went from like, oh, all right, great. We'll do the Easter egg hunt to like, wait, hold up. This is like cash money in these eggs. So that was my last Easter egg hunt. And uh, it was it was a good way to go out. I was going to ask, like, when did you la- when, when did you stop doing Easter egg hunts? Because I think that's probably the last time. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I remember doing one when I was like 15. Because I think when my brother yeah. was still little. Oh, like he when you was... have younger siblings, you got to keep doing the stuff. That makes I sense. doing it. So we're like, let's go. But it also felt like really unfair. I was like, but also I'm the shortest. My brother was still mm. hadn't hit his growth spurt then. But my sister's always taller than me. So she could get everything up higher. It's not fair. It was not fair. She was really good too. She always yeah. got the most. But St. Lindsay always like gave, <laughs> like made sure we all got equal eggs. She was so good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my kids will do we'll do Easter egg hunt this year and uh it'll be fun. It'll be Great. good. Yeah, it's I mean I think all the the fun, all the bunny and the chocolate and stuff is really is fun to celebrate Easter. I think the part for me as a parent, the part of Easter that I try to steer away from is the uh resurrection stuff because when you have kids, death is a hard thing to talk about and it's a hard thing to explain and the finality of death is an important concept to get across, even though it's really hard. So I do remember one year being in a place where I had been like, just had recently explained to my son that death means someone is not coming back. Mm. Um, I think maybe it was when our dog died. And then, and then we have a whole holiday where someone isn't dead anymore. Let me tell you, developmentally, it's not helpful. It's not helpful for parenting a little kid. So that part's just, I think I, now my son is very vocal about not believing that, which I'm, I'm with him. Uh, (gasps) It doesn't make any sense. So, you know, and obviously all the crucifixion stuff and all that. uh, I feel like that's not really for kids. Yeah. I don't know if it's for any of us. (laughs) It's a lot. It's a lot to unpack. I feel like we need another next year's episode. We got to go more into the, like the, the liturgy of Easter. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because there is a lot to go through. It's a lot. 
but it's I guess it's kind of balanced. I guess that's why we need all the chocolate and stuff to balance out. Ba- the, balance like, all out. Go into our chocolate comas, or to like distract us from like WTF, what is happening here, and yeah. do I actually need to believe in all of these things in order to be a Catholic and a Christian? And is this? Oh no! You know what? Just have some chocolate. Don't even think too hard. Just about it. eat this, child. <laughs> You'll be yeah. fine. Well, and thanks for going on this Holy Week journey with me. It's been great. We started, you know, we started at the beginning of Lent with a little reflection, yes. and now we're uh, we're ending it this way, which I love, and I am excited for Easter. We got to find some of our own photos, but other people, if you have any old Easter photos of yourself, please tag us. Tag us on Instagram. We'd love to see. Easter photos are great. It's a wonder. Especially 80s, 90s. There were just some excellent fashions happening there. Maybe you could get some. We can even get some inspiration since those things are all back in style now. This is true. Yes, I want to see. I want to see them all. And I'll be back on social media that day. Yes, right. It'll be a big day for you. My emergence. risen and Steph is risen back into. I'm back. I want to see those posts. I'm going to look at everything that's been happening. Exciting. I'm sure it hasn't been great. But oh, and your dad'll have his big ice cream feast. Is mm-hmm. he still gonna do that? Oh yeah. Another rule in our family is over the age of 65, you don't really have to do Lent. So he's uh, um, so he's chilled out on it a little bit, but he's very excited. We were talking about this podcast, and he was discussing Lent with me, and and why everyone should give up ice cream for the course. <laughs> Because it's so good that one ice cream bowl at midnight is the best bowl of ice cream there is. Things really are more delicious when you haven't had them in a while. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Maybe the Catholics are onto something in that respect. There you go. <laughs> all right. Well, have a good Easter, stuff. Yeah. Happy Easter to you and to all of our listeners. Please follow us on the socials. Like, rate, re- subscribe, review, and mm-hmm. recommend. So I am going to suggest that we invite folks to donate to the Chai Nations Youth Council. It is um, indigenous young people in and around Chicago specifically. Yeah. And it's a really cool organization. Lots of youth leadership and they seem to do pretty amazing things. So I will link them in the show notes. Great. All right, Steph. Also with you. And also with you, Anne. 